Tisha Bader and In the News, the opening of a unique interfaith complex in the United Arab Emirates, the Abrahamic Family House, which houses a church, a mosque, and a synagogue, a symbol of coexistence and tolerance, and another dramatic step taken in the Gulf region since the signing of the Abraham Accords, the normalization agreements signed between Israel, the UAE, and Bahrain in September of 2020. Rabbi Dr. Eli Abadi is Senior Rabbi of the Jewish Council of the Emirates and Rabbi of the Association of Gulf Jewish Communities. He is also Chairman of the Council of Sephardic Sages, Founding Rabbi of the Manhattan East Synagogue, an Officer of the Rabbinical Council of America, among many other leadership roles. And we are honored to have him join us here on JBS. Eli, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Tisha. The honor is mine and pleasure to be here with you. So before we talk about this new complex, I just want to go back to 2020. We had the signing of the Abraham Accords in September of that year. And then you were asked to lead the Jewish Council of the Emirates as its senior and resident rabbi. Tell us how this all came about. Well, I had actually visited the, the United Arab Emirates twice before my appointment. I visited uh, the beginning of uh, 2019 and at the end of 2019. At the beginning of 2019, I went there. I met uh, with a small, very small Jewish community that existed. We celebrated Purim at that time. I led the services, reading of the Megillah. And then the purpose of that trip actually was to um, bring a Torah scroll uh, to the crown prince at that time, His Highness Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed, who was presently the president of the UAE. At that time, he was the crown prince. So we wanted to bring a Torah scroll in memory of his father, the late Sheikh Zayed, who was the founding father of the United Arab Emirates. So we went there the first time around February 2019. Uh, he had to excuse himself uh, to uh, and ask us to come back a little bit later on that year because he had some emergency trip to take. And then he invited us again by November 2019, where he received us in his palace in, the, in Abu Dhabi. We, uh, I am a sofer myself. I did not write the Torah, but I was able to, to conclude it as an any Torah ceremony. And we, uh, in a sense, presented the Torah scroll in memory of his, uh, of his late father, Sheikh Zayed. So I was able to, to connect to, uh, with him, to communicate. Uh, I speak Arabic, so I spoke with him in Arabic. We reminisced about our uh, childhood in Lebanon. Apparently, he told me that his uh, parents would take him to Lebanon to summer many times. And most likely, we crossed uh, paths in, in Lebanon those summers that we were there together in the same town that he said in Pamdun, the town in, in Lebanon. So I made connections. I was able to, to meet him and speak with him for, for, for a significant amount of time privately. But more than that, many of the UAE officers and businessmen, when they would come to New York, uh, they would come and, and meet with me. And I was invited to several of their events in Washington and New York City. That's all before I was appointed as the senior rabbi of the Jewish Council of the Emirates. Once the, the Abraham Accords were signed, which I knew it, they were going to be signed, we just did not know the exact date, then, of course, at that time that the Jewish community was asked to register officially as a community of faith 
and they needed a rabbi. And of course, my name came about from both sides in a sense. And that's when I moved there in November 2020, and I was appointed as the senior rabbi of the Jewish Council. And it's so interesting that you tell the story about your um, discussions and communication um, with the sheikh, because I feel like that personal connection that you found that common ground with him about your mutual um, experiences in Lebanon and, and being there um, as children, that certainly helped cement that connection and that that one-to-one -one thing that is often spoken about after the Abraham Accords, like that things start person to person, Jew to Arab, Jew to Muslim, and then so much can grow out of that. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I think the importance of knowing each one's culture, uh, language, you know, the moment you speak with somebody else with their own language, a great barrier is really broken and falls down. And because language is not just knowing to speak, it's knowing the culture that's behind that language. Unfortunately, I, I know that. And so I was able to communicate with him on one-to-one, -one, so to speak, the same culture, the same language, the same upbringing in the same region. So that certainly created a, a stronger bond. And you speak six languages, by the way. I just want to mention that. That's astounding to me. That's amazing. Like that. yeah. um, so talk about some of just the day-to-day. The -day. What, what is your role like on a day-to-day -day basis? leading the Jewish community, and how has that community changed from when you first stepped into those shoes at the end of 2020 and, and now almost uh, well, about two and a half years later? Right. So uh, when I arrived there, there were probably less than 200 Jewish members of the community, um, small in a sense. And we knew the numbers because of the high holidays attendance. There was no uh, real uh, poll or membership, uh, but I can tell you that now there are probably already almost 800 Jews living in the UAE, wow. plus, uh, plus many more who come back and forth, back and forth, uh, either having established a business there or already have established a business there or trying to, to establish a business. My function is um, all really multifaceted because uh, it's not just to lead the community and uh, services or see what the Jewish community needs, which of course is part of, of my responsibilities, but, um, but I am kind of uh, the ambassador of the Jewish people to the, to the UAE in a sense, not Israel, but the Jewish people. I'm the face of Judaism there. Uh, I'm asked to speak at universities, at the think tanks, at, uh, at the greatest mosque uh, in Abu Dhabi, Sheikh Zayed. I was asked to give a eulogy in memory of Sheikh Zayed, uh, together with imams, with diplomats, with, with, uh, with priests. And so I'm kind of the one that the government and society goes to when they want to know about Judaism. And many of them are quite, quite uh, intrigued by it, interested and fascinated by what, they, by what they hear. They come to recognize how similar or close Judaism and Islam are. And so far, all these years, they, they thought we were so far away. And so they're fascinated by that. So that's part of my maybe non-official uh, uh, description of a job, but that's, that's what I have been doing. And of course, I'm invited also by many events uh, of the society there, the non-Jewish society, the government, and also the embassy and consulate of Israel 
in a sense, uh, those are my functions. I'm in meetings, I'm in lectures, I'm giving lectures. Um, and of course, then tend to the Jewish flock, so to speak, to the Jewish community's need. A large responsibility, I would say, Ellie. It certainly has, has weight uh, to it, much honor, but also it must feel like a, a big responsibility. It is, it is. Of course, it is a big responsibility because uh, you want to be the right messenger, so to speak. You want to be the right role model. You want to be the right communicator. And that is a great responsibility uh, to them, to the society there. Uh, this is the first time they meet a Jew, or this is the first time they, they hear about Judaism. Yes, they have heard all kinds of false narratives uh, around, or they were taught um, something that uh, might be... Uh, uh, hateful to to uh, to the Jews, but and now they're opening up their eyes and their ears and trying to learn from anew um, what a Jew is, what Judaism is, what Israel is, and what a Jewish community is. And and so you want to make sure that you put the best face out there, uh, and you you do justice to what I represent. And say so, yes, it is it is a big responsibility. And now we have the opening of this truly a beautiful, dramatic interfaith complex, a synagogue alongside a mosque and a church in, in fairly close proximity, intentionally so, the Abrahamic family house. Talk about the significance of that building. And I also wanna ask you about the, the document that was signed with the Pope in 2019, I believe, that sort of started this, this process happening. Right. So, so this complex known as the Abrahamic family house as a brainchild of that meeting that they had in 2019, declaring uh, the year of tolerance, where the Pope, the Imam Tayyip from Al-Azhar University in, in Egypt, uh, they signed this declaration of human fraternity and they formed the committee. Uh, it's called the Higher Committee of Human Fraternity, in which they uh, they not just propose, promulgate, but they further this idea that we are all humans and we are all brothers in a sense. And therefore God has given us this earth to inhabit and we have the responsibility and the, the, the obligation to, to maintain peace, to help each other and to live together in peace. And so this idea of creating the Abrahamic family house where the three major Abrahamic religions that are represented in one campus together, each one with its own respective and respected building and faith, but yet together uh, on a campus where we could intermingle, we could uh, learn together in a sense, we could learn from each other. And all those uh, stereotypes uh, would be broken as we learn more of each other. So that was really the idea from that time, from the year of tolerance to build this structure. And uh, finally, it was built. It took uh, an extra year because of COVID restrictions. Uh, and finally, it was uh, it was inaugurated uh, uh, 10 days ago or so. And um, for the world to see that indeed, we are three religions, but at the end of the day, we're all children of Abraham, that we could live together, we could respect each other, we could respect our faith, and we could exchange ideas and opinion. In a sense, somehow to if not relive, but recreate this uh, uh, idea of convivencia that existed 
in um, medieval Spain and the beautiful uh, uh, golden uh, century of Spain where the three Abrahamic religions uh, exchanged ideas, opinions, debated each other, but yet they lived in peace and coexistence. And I love that idea so much. And I also love the fact that physically these houses of worship are close together. And as you said, learning about the other is so huge because we all have misconceptions or things that we're not sure about or questions that we have or ways that we think another person is or behaves or what their religion entails. And here's an opportunity to actually see with our own eyes, oh, this is what prayer at a mosque looks like or or for for Muslims to be able to say, oh, this is how Jews worship or any of that, just to break down those barriers, as you said, have conversations and just see with our own eyes physically what the other looks like, how they go to worship or just having small conversations passing by somebody. All those things can help in this in this vision that that we all hope for. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the only way that you are going to respect uh, each other is to know more about each other, to learn more about each other. And then after respect comes caring, love and affection in a sense, and embracing, embracing each other with respect that each one has its own faith and has its own tradition. But that doesn't mean that we cannot live together in peace uh, and harmony. And that is what the really UAE government wants to achieve in this Abrahamic house, the ability to, in a sense, live together, but yet each one has his own faith uh, and respecting each other for that and learning from each other in that sense. And let's go back a bit to talk about the Abraham Accords. You know, there were some people who at the time when those normalization agreements were signed were saying, well, it's not such a big deal. Israel was never at war with the Emirates. Israel was never at war with Bahrain, yet they're signing these agreements. But the point of them is that word, that normalization, that being able to talk about Israel, to say we're going to have this agreement with Israel to sort of demystify or, or talk more freely about that relationship, not just with Israel, but with Jews and Muslims, et cetera. So what would you say to somebody who said, okay, normalization agreements, they're not peace deals. What do they really signify? Well, it is true in that sense that the foreign minister of the UAE at that time, when he was asked about the peace treaty with Israel, he said, this is not a peace treaty because we were never at war. This is a normalization treaty, which means, he said, that it is normal to have relations with another country, especially a country in your region, in your uh, as a neighbor. And yes, we could have uh, differences. We could disagree in, in many of uh, our policies. And yet that doesn't mean that we should not have uh, relations, diplomatic relations, help each other. He said, do we agree with 100% of policies of the US or France or England or any other country in the world? No, of course not. But that doesn't mean that we should not have relations. So that, and, and that statement in a sense was kind of a pride of the UAE to say, we were never at war. Uh, and that's what really uh, uh, put the framework of, of the relationship. But that relationship really is not a uh, one-way relationship. It is not top to bottom, but it is a relationship that encompasses every aspect of life. 
government to government, people to people, um, academics to academics, business to business, uh, in every single aspect. There have been already over 130 or so MOUs between Israel and the UAE, and I don't mean just government. I mean also society, businesses, uh, in academic institutions, scientific institutions, um, agriculture, in every single aspect of, of human endeavor, that relationship has flourished and will continue to flourish, I am sure. So it's different than, than what we have, that what Israel has with Egypt and Jordan. This is a uh, real normalization. And I think they're pride and they're proud of saying it's not a peace treaty, but a normalization. Ellie, what do you attribute the this this openness that the UAE has, this this uh, message of tolerance that it has been leading with for for quite some time with the Abraham Accords, with the opening of this of the Abrahamic House? What is it about um, this country, this part of the world, this leadership, perhaps, that has allowed for that voice of moderation? Well, this is really the vision of Sheikh Zayed, uh, may he rest in peace. The, the, he is the visionary. He is the founding father of the UAE. He is the one who really collected seven um, uh, tribes, in a sense, seven emirates, and put them together into a one nation, the United Arab Emirates. And his vision was always that we all are children of God, children of Abraham, in a sense, and we ought to live together in peace and harmony, respecting each other, respecting each other differences in faith and traditions. But that doesn't mean that we cannot live together, work together for the improvement and embetterment of humanity. And he basically created it in his country, the UAE, where seven different Bedouin tribes, in a sense, from the shore, from the mountains, from the desert, and from all over. And each one had its own interest, territorial interest, financial interest, political interest, yet he was able to unite them and create this country. And he wanted to see his country to be that place where people can live in peace and in harmony, no matter what religion they profess, no matter what ethnicity, no matter what nationality. The, the U, UAE, believe it or not, only 15% of the population is Emirati, is local Emirati population, where 85% are what we call them expats, which means people from different nationalities. And it is believed that the UAE has over 202 or 204 different nationalities, more than the United Nations has in its General Assembly. And yet they all live in peace and harmony because they learned that in the UAE, you could come, you could work hard, make a living, improve uh, the, the, the country and improve your status and the world. And yet you ought to respect uh, each other, no matter what language you are, what, what you speak, what ethnicity you are, what nationality, and certainly what belief you have. And that's what the country has has uh, grown to be. And of course, the children of Sheikh Zayed are now uh, even advancing this vision uh, significantly. And the Abraham Accords are part of that vision. So what has it been like for you just on a personal level? I'm curious, living now um, in the Emirates for several years, still as a Jew living in an Arab country. And again, we mentioned earlier, you were born in Lebanon. So you have some idea perhaps of what that's like, but I'm just wondering how that feels, what, what the 
what the feeling is um, for you personally as a Jew living there. Right. So, so I, you know, I was asked at the beginning, so how long did it take you to adjust? And truthfully, it didn't take me a minute to adjust. When I landed and I see Arabic writing, I'm used to that. Or when I see skyscrapers in Dubai, I'm used to that from New York. I see English signs, I'm used to that. So I really did not need anything to adjust or any moment to adjust. I kind of, the moment I landed, I started in a sense. Uh, it's a beautiful country. Uh, first of all, you know, uh, the way it was built, uh, beautiful buildings, beautiful uh, highways, uh, beautiful streets. Uh, in addition to that, uh, it's a very, very safe country. It's one of the safest countries in the world. There's practically no petty crime. Uh, there's no homeless people in the streets. I'm sure in New York, there are plenty of those. Uh, there is, uh, there's no garbage in the street. <laughs> Uh, that 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 smells. Um, you don't have to look behind you to see who's walking behind. If you're afraid, they're going to push you into the train, or or just smack you just for the for 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 their enjoyment. So it's a safe country. There's no crime. There's no homeless. You feel uh, you if you lose or you leave your phone on a table anywhere in the country in less than 24 hours is back to you. If you leave even cash in places, that cash will return to you without any fear. So quality of life uh, is significantly much, much better than many, many other countries in the world. Uh, and so it has been a great experience uh, living there. Plus the respect that uh, the Emirati society has for everybody and anybody. Uh, I walk the streets with my kippah, you know, uh, I, I'm known uh, in the streets when I'm seen, I'm, I'm told shalom by strangers. Uh, people want to take pictures with me as they see a Jew that they never saw before. They told me we are so happy that you are here with us. So it has been, uh, in that sense, an, uh, an incredible experience uh, to live there. That's remarkable, Ellie, and uh, we're glad that you are there representing the Jewish people. It's truly um, a source of pride and um, a great honor, and we're so happy you were able to join us today and to talk a bit about what's happening in that part of the world. And before I let you go, just in one sentence, if you could say what would be your ultimate vision. We, we see more countries joining the Abraham Accords. We see the ripple effects of these agreements. What is your vision, what you would like to see in the next year, two years, three years? Right. So what I would like to see and what I believe it will happen is that more countries in that region will open up. There will be more uh, uh, normalization treaties or peace treaties. And uh, that region, I think, will become the, 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 next, uh, uh, the next powerful region of the world and politically, economically. And uh, that's what I would like to see. And I think it will happen. It will happen with the synergy that Israel and the Jewish people together with, uh, with the, those countries, I think it will be a great, great synergy for the future of the world. Thank you so much. Rabbi Dr. Eli Abadi is Senior Rabbi of the Jewish Council of the Emirates. It's truly been an honor having you here. Thank you. Thank you, Tisha. It was my pleasure. And thank you, as always, to our director, Sloan Copeland, managing director, Dara Golub, transmissions manager, John McDevitt, technical manager, Michael Paley, producer, Carol Lilienthal, and thank you for watching In the News.